Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. At Lemonada Media, we are on a mission to make life suck less. That's why we are so excited to announce the launch of our newest show, Good Things, a podcast we specifically created to highlight people and organizations who make our world a better place. Hosted by a rotating cast of our favorite Lemonada hosts and special guests, Good Things highlights incredible organizations that are solving our country's most complex issues. From working to improve the American foster care system to fighting to increase diversity and inclusion initiatives, this show shines a light on the fixers out there who are working to make good things happen. Good Things is available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. I'm Kiki Monique, and this is I'm Sorry, a podcast about apologies. And this week I discovered that brand name gasoline is actually better than generic gasoline. I did not realize that until I spent a little extra money on some brand name gasoline and it was like I had a whole new car. I had to keep it under control while I was going so fast. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. I did not know it affects your driving. She's like, finally a good meal. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Mohana Del Sheikhi and uh, this week and every week really, I am I am ready for the new year. I'm, I'm over 2021. It went by so fast. I cannot remember anything that happened this year. Uh, I just, you know, I just want to put it behind me and then start the new year and see how (laughs) worse it gets for all of us. Because I am done uh, thinking that it will get better from here. (laughs) Good way. Yeah, good way to think. I agree. And uh, I'm Oha Lopez. And this week I've been thinking a lot about John Candy. And um, I don't know why he's just randomly popped into my head about four times. And that's never really happened before. And I just miss him, you know? Uh, I was watching a couple of the movies that he was in and then went on a tear to just find out more about him. He's Canadian. I didn't know that. I thought he was an American, all-American actor. But John Candy, I miss you. And I love your last name. I love I love when you learn some... Like, I think Canadian is okay. Like, when I learn someone as a Canadian, I'm like, it makes <laughs> sense. You know, you're close. But yeah. I never feel more betrayed than when an actor is, is from the UK... Or from Australia, and I'm like, I, I trusted you, and yeah. you're British, especially when they're in your favorite like Southern show. Oh my god, having yes. this twang this whole time, and you're like, <laughs> wait a second, we do not have a shared live experience. I hate you now. <laughs> I don't like you. 
So this is our final episode of the year. So we are going to do a roundup of some of our favorite apologies of this year. So I want to start off by also saying that this is a surprise. We don't know uh, each other's apologies, which makes me really happy. So I am honored, nay, just delighted to present uh, one of my favorite apologies of this year. And uh, to start off with the fact that I'm a huge fan of this person, I have cried with them, I have laughed with them. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about Demi Lovato's big yogurt apology. I don't know if you guys heard, but somewhere in April of 2021, Demi tried to go on their normal, you know, daily yogurt run to a place called The Big Chill in Los Angeles, which you guys should check out maybe. And apparently what happened is that they were walking through the store and they started noticing that some of the yogurt, I guess the the sweet treats were labeled as sugar-free and that there was a lot of diet foods that were kind yeah. of, you know, quote, lining the walkway in front of the store. And Demi was very, very upset by this because obviously, you know, they've gone through, you know, eating disorders and they've that's kind of like one of their big sort of like points that they talk about a lot yeah. Um, in their documentary and kind of part of their recovery includes this piece, you know? So on April 18th, Demi takes to their Instagram story. This is a Sunday. And then they kind of go after the company by saying they find it extremely hard to order Froyo because of all the diet foods that they offer. And then also on that story called them kind of diet culture vultures. So there's this, big kind of like frenzy of people kind of calling out Big Chill, which is the the Froyo shop. Mm-hmm. And then Big Chill reacts to the accusations. So they privately DM Demi. And they're basically like, hey, Demi, like we have items for all types of dietary restrictions. And it includes like diabetes and celiac disease and vegans. And then that they also offer like fully indulgent treats as well. So they're sort of like defending themselves. And you know, Lovato then kind of criticizes them by saying that it was sort of like triggering and awful. And uh, I don't, did you guys hear about this at all? No, this yes. is all new to okay. me. <laughs> okay, so first impressions, just first impressions, just based on what I've said, what do you guys think? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the most uh, famous person thing ever. Just posting about <laughs> Froyo. I'm like, also, why are you uh, why are you buying that? Like, are you in, in the good place? What's happening here? Like, it's just... <laughs> Let's buy something else. I don't know. Yeah, I mean you're at you're at a Froyo place, which already you've decided not to do the ice cream route, right? Like I feel like you've already yeah. made the decision to go down the Froyo. So here we are. And obviously a place that's dedicated to you not wanting to get ice cream is going to also dedicate to like <laughs> other things that maybe you don't want to eat, like sugar or you can't have sugar or you can't have certain things like yeah. it just seems logical yeah so i think kind of right off the bat when i first heard of this i was like demi stop it you are being like insane about this stuff it doesn't make any sense you know and i do think that there's definitely a touch of of sort of like entitlement there Absolutely, and i mean like yeah. when i was kind of reading the story in general i was just like well, what is this restaurant? Then I figure out it has like only like 6,000 followers online. Like it's a small business. It's not a chain. So it's, you know, to a certain extent, it definitely feels like, you know, Demi is the Goliath and then the big chill is this, 
you know yeah like it's a very kind of like small fish to fry yeah. in the bigger scope of probably people who are doing things you know wrong specifically in the diet industry or with food and so i guess when i start looking into it a little bit more closely so what debbie is calling out is that they have these kind of very specific treats that use language like guilt free you know oh, which i, I think see. is very like diet focused yeah of course you know and and demi talks a lot about like why should it be diet free or why should it be kind of shame free or guilt free it's that kind of verbiage i think that demi was attacking i see but then we have this basic thing where people start piling on you know and people start going after demi like why did you do this why did you say anything basically because i think right out of the gate they reacted very very big for the level of like what happened. And I feel like there's this pattern of like people deciding to call out specific people versus generalizing the conversation. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, because that's like, that's the thing. Like, this is more about the culture of diet, which is yeah. like a huge conversation. And like, you know, a lot of the like, you know, what I saw online, people responding were people who had dealt with eating disorders. Yeah. And, you know, they had been through treatments and they were saying how when you're in treatment, one of the first things I guess, or one of the things you learn is not you know, projecting onto others, like sort of like, you know, things that are internalized within you. You can't blame yeah. what is happening outside and use that as an excuse or something like that. Yeah, there's it, it is something really interesting that when we feel hurt and when we feel like somebody has hurt us as humans, I definitely think that we're like trying to figure out the source of that so that we can feel like we're in control and we can shut it down and yeah. move forward. And so there's some internal regulation that needs to happen or else what? You're just going to go around being like wounded in the world. It's it's hard to it's hard to move. It's hard to do that. Absolutely. You know, it's hard to progress. Yeah. But I mean, I definitely when I read this, I was like, Demi, stop. You need to stop this. You are my favorite. I need you to just get a freaking grip. And then again, as it develops, I see all these people piling on to them. And so I'm like, let me look into this story a little bit more. And so they, they do end up apologizing. So I'm just going to let you guys listen to Demi's apology. I, it wasn't clear to me that it was for specific health needs. And so I didn't know, I didn't know that. Like I just took it as, okay, I'm going into a Froyo shop. I'm seeing sugar-free. I'm seeing this and that. If I, if there was a sign that said celiac, vegan, I would have understood that would have been clear messaging to me because it wasn't clear. I'm definitely jumped to conclusions and probably shouldn't have you know, gone about this the way that I have. I left that yogurt store and didn't get the yogurt that I wanted. And then I had a hard time the rest of the weekend to be totally transparent. And that's probably something that nobody wants me to say. Like I'm, I don't know, but I'm human and I talk about my struggles and I'm passionate. So I'm sorry that I got the messaging wrong. I'm sorry that I may have disappointed some people, but I'm not coming after a small business as someone with a lot of followers. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm coming, I'm, I walked into a situation that didn't sit right with me. My intuition said, speak up about this. So I did. And I feel good about that. So Demi kind of opens up a little bit about 
you know, their issues with their body image and issues with an eating disorder and kind of posted a video explaining why they slammed the big chill in LA. And, you know, they kind of talked about being very outspoken about all the things that they believe in. And I feel like they're trying to do their best to call something out. And they just sort of decided that maybe attacking the business in particular wasn't the exact right thing to do. Yeah. And it's somebody who is learning how to be an advocate for themselves after being, you know, in a situation where they probably didn't have a lot of voice. And especially when you're out there and you do see people who are, you know, like diet culture vultures or people who are basically calling or or like taking advantage of people's insecurities in order to like deal whatever it is that they're selling. So to a certain extent, I really appreciate the apology. And once I looked into it a little bit more, I was like, I can totally see where they were coming from. It's just when you have that many followers, honey, it's going to have some effects. Yeah. To attack a small business. Yeah. It's like, I think that is really, you know, what set people off because this small business isn't the one that created diet culture. No. They're just trying to make a dollar. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, the the good thing, I guess, that came out of this, because I know they, you know, they had a small following at first, but now I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, they have 47,000 followers. So I guess, you know. <laughs> so so uh, thank you, Demi. Yeah, thank you, Demi. I mean, we should name this episode The Big Chill Meets No Chill. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting because... One of the things they talk about, too, is like, oh, there's like food for celiacs and for vegans and all of that. Yeah. And Demi was like, well, then label it that way, like label it for medical needs, label it, you know, but that that terminology of guilt free is really kind of triggering, of course, basically. Yeah. But also, like, if I I mean, I don't, if I had celiac disease, I don't know if I necessarily want to pick up a packaging that says like for celiacs, like maybe I don't want people knowing all my business. <laughs> yeah. Like if it said like, you know, for fat girls only, I'd be like, I think you can see I'm fat. I don't need it to be like on the thing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, it's just there are like bigger fish to fry, you know. They're like corporations and there's like a whole industry that kind of like advertises that culture. But coming as just like a Froyo shop, like what's that going to do? Like that's not going to fix shit. Yeah, like, use your anger and just go after Jillian Michaels. Like let's just blame her for everything. <laughs> exactly. The yeah. There's so much else. Like, you know, other than that account that like had 600 followers at the time. You know, it's just, I mean, yeah, obviously they should update the labeling and like change the language and all of that. But that could have been an email. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get an email from Demi Lovato at the Big Chill, you're probably going to listen. Exactly. You're probably going to like take it into account. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But probably they had like some like 19 years old, like uh, social media person who was like, well, (laughs) Demi Demi Lovato just tagged us. I am not paid enough to deal with this. Yeah, absolutely not. I feel like if a big celebrity comes into you, you're probably very excited, having a very good time. And then all of a sudden you realize that the world is ending because Demi Lovato is tweeting about you and you've got to deal with a major PR thing. But hey, it's true. They did end up with a lot more followers, which is very good. Yeah, exactly. So it's not all bad. No, it's not all bad. And I think one of the reasons why I chose this to be kind of like my favorite apology of 2021 is... There's a part of me that really understands the Demi plight, which is to feel like sometimes you feel like you want the world to be built for you and you want to be able to navigate the world 
it's sort of like a basic part inside of me that identifies with what they did. And I want to be able to, you know, call things out in the right way. But there's always a dial, you know, like as you're learning, like, for example, when I learned how to like, get in touch with my anger. This is a period of time in my life where I went overboard sometimes. I was like, okay, you're allowed to feel angry. It's not necessarily a bad emotion, but sometimes I would turn that dial a little too harshly and people around me would be like, whoa, you're being a little bitch, aren't ya? And I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I'm learning to tune into my anger. And so I feel like Demi is doing that. Like Demi's figuring out a moment where they yeah. get to be outspoken about the things that they believe in. And they're making mistakes and they're not doing it perfectly. And I think the thing that intersects with it that makes it funny for me is that they are a celebrity and they make a lot of money and and have all these privileges. And so it, it's always balancing like what you want with yeah. who your audience is, with who you're calling out. Uh, now I want to go to Big Chill after this. Maybe after we're done, I might Ooh, head over Ooh, can you there. do that? You Give us you a, a review. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that so much. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. And of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Hi, I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And each week we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. You know... I have seen a lot of obscure apologies over this last year because I've spent an inordinate amount of time on TikTok. And in TikTok world, there's someone canceled every day. I mean, I mean, every day there's somebody that you've never heard of. The cycle is quick. Yeah. And it's like and it's like and I really dig into these these people's lives where it's just like, ooh, I'll go back and I'll be like, let me find that video. Let me find that video. How did they, and I'll get to the bottom of like, why is this person now on private or why have they deleted their account? So I feel like I've just seen a lot of apologies. And like, because of that, I'm a little like numb to just apologies in general, like whether it's good or bad. So to me, like how I'm weighing good is just like, 
how much it sticks with me and like how memorable it is. It's like that kind of made it like a really good apology. And so this apology had sort of all the elements of like, I felt like what TikTok is about. First of all, Gen Z has perfected the art of bullying. Like I, <laughs> I have been, <laughs> I have been on the other side of like getting called out by Gen Z. It is very uncomfortable there. I don't know how they were able to make the word weird and weirdo so cutting, but when they say it to you, it just hits like really differently. Like when they throw a clown emoji at you, I I, I just, the shame I feel getting bullied by Gen Z is like no <laughs> other shame. So back in like this, I think this was like back in July, there was a girl, um, I don't know if we have her name, but a girl on TikTok, she had applied for a sales model position. It was at this boutique called Ava Lane Boutique. It was in uh, Michigan. And, you know, boutique owner was this woman, Laura. And I guess as the story came out, the person who normally handles HR was out that week. So her husband, who is like the vice president of the, the company, stepped into that role. And so this this resume comes in and he kind of quickly look at, looks it over. And instead of forwarding it on to his wife, he replied back to the person who had sent it, which, you know, that's like the biggest fear is like hitting reply instead of forward. Um, so he replies to this girl uh-huh. and the response is, this girl is fresh out of college, Hope College, and not that cute. She applied to the sales model position. Are you sure you want me to interview her? Thanks. <laughs> and this girl, she's probably, you know, she just got out of college. She's probably 20, 21. Yeah. Gets this email and it obviously feels terrible. Yeah. So oh puts it on TikTok, you know, and just kind of like, yeah, applied for this job. And this is the response I got, which sent TikTok into an uproar. Like, how dare this Chuck, his name is Chuck DeGrendel. How dare this Chuck <laughs> say that some you are cute. You're totally cute. And I'm like, oh, I'm invested now. So then he tried, I guess, like, when it sort of, like, started going viral. Or no, I think even before it started going viral, he realized his mistake. He realized he had sent this back to her and wanted to apologize in email. So... The email he wrote, he said, Dear Grace, your email was forwarded to me from our customer service team. First off, I feel terrible about this. It was never my intention to send that email to you. That is 100% my fault. And I'm so sorry for what I did. Despite this being a modeling position, you are absolutely correct. It is not our company's core values to judge someone based on their appearance. Please understand that we receive hundreds of modeling applications per week, and I often have to make quick decisions based solely off someone's resume and a few pictures we receive regarding whether or not we should move forward with the interviewing process. Regardless, I made a snap decision based off the information I had, and I understand now that that was a poor decision. I really appreciate that you reached out to us and provided me with the opportunity to reflect on my poor decision and lack of professionalism. I cannot express how sorry I am. I wish you the best of luck in your job search and your future endeavors, which, okay, he apologized, you know, and, and she posted those, but the internet 
was still yeah. not They're that was sticky. not <laughs> not happy. <laughs> so this man, this Chuck, which oh god, I mean, to even like just be called not cute by a guy named Chuck already, I right? Know, I know. This guy named Chuck. His wife, this is her boutique, right? He's just like the guy that probably like does the books, right? She's like, this is my boutique. So I think she must have forced him to do an IG live because he goes and does an IG live that every time I watch it, I just laugh. And the the best part is, it feels like his wife is off camera holding a gun to him because (laughs) he clearly does not want to be there. But... You got to hear a part of it. We're going to play a little bit of a clip. Um, We had an applicant yesterday that submitted her application. Um, She she submitted her application, submitted photos through email. Laura saw the the email and I sent a reply back to Laura that said, that she was a, a, a recent college grad. And I didn't feel that she was that cute. Um, and it turns out I, I wasn't replying to Laura. I was replying to the, to the candidate and um, I can only imagine how awful that, that she would feel. And I'm really, really sorry that I said that. He's crying. Like, he's crying throughout this apology, which which already just feels cringy. And then... Again, Gen Z is not letting him have it. It's clown emoji, like, because it's alive. So there's everyone's commenting. It's clown emojis. It's laughy emojis. It's like, oh my God. It's like, oh, you know, you, you know, this is embarrassing. I feel bad for you. And he's, he's like, basically can't even look at the camera. He can't even keep eye contact Mm -hmm. with the camera. He's sort of looking down. He's so ashamed. And every time, and when he has to sort of repeat that he called this girl not cute, he can't even, you know, get the words out. It's the most uncomfortable apology video. Yeah. It goes on for like seven minutes. Oh, God. And I mean, it goes, the live goes on uh, longer, but his, even just his part is like seven minutes. And then at the end, his, you know, wife comes in to sort of like clean it up. But to me, it was just the most, I just found it to be (laughs) the most entertaining apology because it was just so cringy. Oh my god. That is. He was basically yeah. went on a live to it's almost like you know in the old times when they put people in plazas and put their hands and head through a thing and then they just had people in the plaza throw shit at them. Yeah. Like that's what an Instagram live apology is. It's just a live version of Twitter <laughs> and it seems like a terrible idea. It's just a bad idea to do an Instagram live yeah. apology. I don't think you should ever apologize when there are like comments like just coming in. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, Mm-mm. I just I can't even cuz like people don't care. They don't know you. No. And they're having fun. So like they're not even listening to what you're saying. So not like no amount of crying, nothing you will say that will make someone go like, "You know what? 
I'm, I take back my clown emoji. Let me just go back and delete it. <laughs> Thumbs up emoji, sir. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. The funniest part, like, I went and looked, because, you know, the first thing people do when, you know, anytime a business does something is they immediately go to Yelp, Google, and they make sure that your reviews hit zero stars if possible. Yeah. And I kind of yeah. looked, I was, like, looking at the reviews now, and it doesn't seem like they've even fully recovered in that realm, which I know Yelp will do, like, a a business has gone viral and we're doing a cleanup. They'll stop the reviews, but, like, Google, yeah. I don't know if they'll ever clean that up. I, yeah, I, I mean, do you think, uh, what do you think they thought that was a good idea, like for the, for the life to happen? You know, were they older was, or like, what were the, they, what were no, the two they, people they, like? They seem like they're maybe in their forties. They seem okay. like, you know, like a couple in their forties. And I think that they knew that they had to address it, right? They had already, you know, he addresses in the apology that they've gone and shut down their social media because obviously everyone had like trashed you know their facebook and their instagram and all of that oh god i think even now the comments look like they're back on but i think they have it limited to like if you follow me because it didn't look like they had many comments per post when i looked but i think you know we still don't have a roadmap right we're, we're, this is yeah. why we have this show we're still trying to figure out the roadmap to apologies you don't know what you're doing when your business is getting attacked online. You're like, okay, let's address it head on. We're not going to hide behind this. Let's, yeah. you know, because I, I do believe in the, in the philosophy of, you know, public shaming should be addressed with like a public apology. Like you should address things behind the scenes, you know, too. But if you've been, if you've publicly embarrassed someone, you should be public apologies. Now they hadn't public, publicly embarrassed her. She put it out there. She put the email out there. You know, she didn't have yeah. to do that. Well, yeah, exactly. And so that's sort of like, that's where it gets weird, right? Because when these things happen where you feel wronged, you want to bring attention to it, but you know what's going to happen. Like, you know, this business is going to, is going to get it. And yeah. think about, future employers, right? Like this girl still needs to get a job. As somebody who is hiring somebody, if I typed your name into Google and, and that came up, I'd be leery about hiring you because if I ever have to fire you, how are you going to drag me? What are you, you going to drag also, me? <laughs> I mean, also the the other end of it, which is, you know, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I think this whole thing could have been handled differently. But uh, on the other hand, I'm just like, People in the industry in general need to stop saying shit like this. Like, stop being mean, you know? Every time, like, a bunch of emails come out, it's always shit like this, you know? Like, just, like, shit that you're not supposed to say. And they feel so comfortable saying it. Because, like, I don't know if you remember that. There was this, you know, this video. The I cannot remember the name of the person, but he's he's in White Lotus. Oh, yes. Luke, 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 I think. Yes, he was auditioning. And then the... the Lucas Gage. Yes. This was his name. And then yeah. the director made a comment about his living space and how poor it is. And he heard it. And then, you know, he shared it. And it's just like, you hear the clip and you see how comfortable the director was, like, saying that. Because that's just how they talk about people in general. Yeah. And it just sucks. I mean, like, I get it. You don't, want, you don't want to hire people for any reason. There is no need to go after them or, like, you know, they're, like, how they look or, like, their living spaces or what. Like, keep it professional. But it's weird because, like, if it's a sales model position, like, we have accepted yeah. that if you go to Hooters, if you can't fit into those eeny, beeny, little orange cutoff pants, they're not hiring you. Yeah. Now, I'm never going to fit in those orange pants. 
And maybe I do want to work at Hooters. Is it fair? <laughs> I would come see you at Hooters every weekend. <laughs> I mean, the every wings weekend. and the crab legs are great. I like Hooters. And, you know, I need a little extra cash, so maybe I should work there. But By the way, this is my favorite tangent ever. Let's just keep talking about that. Continue, well, continue. Like, if, you, if I sent my resume to Hooters and they replied to me and they were like, oh, this girl's not going to fit into the orange pants. Like, can I get mad? Because I know that that... You're supposed to be able to fit into these. Absolutely. Yes. I but love the implication, Kiki, is that she, that she should have known she wasn't cute enough. For that. <laughs> okay. No. I'm not saying that. You're right. But here, here's the thing, though. Like you said, these are like, their, like these are like their standards, right? Yeah. So instead of just like, you know, specifying what that thing is, you could have just been like, this person does not meet our standards. We're not going to hire them. And that's it. Mohanan. Were you the HR person out for the day? Because that actually is a perfect response. If not, you need to take over that position because you're right. It doesn't have to be specific. Yeah. It could just be, well, you don't. You're so right. It does make sense for them to now change and pivot their language a little bit yeah. so that they can just avoid the situation in the future, honey. So, yeah. So... I love this apology for tw- for my favorite apology for 2021, <laughs> just because, A, it just, it gives me giggles. I like to have certain, like, go-to things that make me laugh every once in a while that is so obscure and people might not know, and I get to reference it every once in a while and be like, oh, you haven't seen this, and bring it up over and over again. And also, it's just a reminder that I'm never going to have kids because kids are cruel. <laughs> they are. Yeah. They they definitely are, but I definitely are. I also don't want to have kids in general. Me neither. Yeah. Oh my god, you guys! Childless squad. Woo woo woo! Child free by choice squad. Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time? Don't, don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrush are out now wherever you get your podcasts. Two young fathers are shot to death outside an iconic Utah restaurant. I said, your dad has been hurt really bad. The grief was disorienting for those left behind until one choice changed everything. I just remember writing this letter and it wasn't me writing it. Can a personal decision shape generations? We're all falling for this guy's trick. I'm Amy Donaldson. Season two of The Letter, Ripple Effect, is available now. Follow us at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Mahanid, you're up. Okay, so the apology that I picked uh, will not be something new to you two, because this was supposed to be our first episode. But then Chrissy Teigen took over. Classic Chrissy Teigen. Classic. She took the spotlight from this woman. I'm just joking. Uh, Chrissy, I know you're listening to this, obviously, but we're just joking. The person I picked as my favorite apology is uh, Elizabeth Claire Kemper. You might know her as uh, the unbreakable 
yes. Unbreakable. Real love. Kimmy Schmidt. Aaron from The Office. Yes. Love Ellie. Ellie Kemper. Or famously known as being born in Kansas City, Missouri. That's where I know her from, personally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. But, you know, the uh, last, last May, she came under fire because there were some photos that resurfaced online of her. You know, she was participating in this beauty queen, you know, competition or whatever you want to call it, a pageant in an organization that historically excluded black and Jewish people. And that organization was in, you know, St. Louis, Missouri. And she was crowned as the field prophet queen of love and beauty. And that's the name of the organization. It's called the uh, field prophet organization, which I feel like you hear the name of the organization. And the first thing that comes to mind, like, yeah, racism. You would think, right? Like, I mean, slight tangent, but like, I just watched the the Von Dutch uh, documentary that came out. Yeah. And like, it's an interesting documentary you should watch. And by the end of it, we all find out that Von Dutch was apparently like a Nazi, um, Nazi sympathizer. He called himself a Nazi, right? Which I, it's weird. And then, but then at the end, I was like, Von Dutch of germany how did we not piece this together earlier (laughs) yeah it's very interesting whenever you look into the roots of uh, anything you're like oh cool (laughs) well oh it's racist okay yeah yeah i mean to be honest you also went to princeton i feel like colleges are also famously known for being really good and never having problematic (laughs) pasts but (laughs) especially the old ones but yeah, yeah i mean and that and that like the uh you know she was crowned the uh, a queen of love and beauty it was like 1999 and she was 19 back then so like you know not a not a kid but you know still not aware of uh what was happening with that with that organization because that organization had like racist and elitist like origins yeah and i, I don't know if you guys been to st louis missouri before uh <laughs> never <laughs> I went there like not, not too long ago and, and I remember this story and I was like, okay, yes, makes sense. I can see it. I can see the vibe here. But, you know, this, this is an organization that was co-founded in 1878 by a former Confederate officer. Uh, so y- you can see why it wasn't very inclusive. It also gives major like conspiracy illuminati vibes you know like veiled prophet queen of love and beauty it just sounds like creepy it is like it would have been lovecraft country or something like that it Mm -hmm. feels like a midsummer exactly or a midsummer kind of thing you know where they just put someone in a bear suit and then just set set them on fire (laughs) yeah and she gets to pick that person and it kind of sounds like some of their like older like masquerade balls did kind of lean towards that so it did have roots in that exactly yeah and you know these pictures came out and people were not happy about them because people did some research and were like well this is a racist organization why are you you know queen of it (laughs) yeah why, why were you in it it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and the thing that i found that was very interesting uh, is that first of all, people immediately started calling her the uh, like a, a KKK princess or like KKK queen or something like that, <laughs> which yeah, uh, I I I'd say kind of too much. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's chill because like you know after like a while like some people did research and were like okay this organization had no connections 
to the clan at all. So maybe maybe let's stop calling her that. But the funny thing is, like, this was not a secret before these pictures came out. Because I did some, uh, did some, you know, looking up and I found that there was an article from 2009 uh, from, it was St. Louis Post-Dispatch. They did a profile on her and they included that as something good, you know? <laughs> they were like, in 1999, in a white gown, she was, uh, like, attended by maids and pages of the Veal Prophet, Queen, Love and Beauty, and now, in 2009, she's in the office. And I'm like, what a cool transition. Why are we comparing this to the office, first of all? <laughs> They're like, we should be proud of her for many reasons. Exactly. I know that the Kemper family, there's a big Kemper building in Houston, Texas, where I used to live. Yeah. And so I was like, I wonder if that yeah. has anything to do Absolutely. with Ellie Kemper. And I was like, oh my yes. God, it has so much to do with Ellie Kemper. And then I was like, her family is worth almost like a half a billion dollars. I think it's like $450 million or something like that. And that's the wealth that they got to accumulate through those kinds of organizations that other people, we'll say who, did not get to accumulate. And it definitely, like that old money thing is always so entrenched with like slavery and with racism that I don't think that there's like a very rich person in America that ha- well, obviously all of us that have not benefited from that. But yeah. in this case with Kemper, it's like such a clear line that I think people are outraged, not just by like her particular relationship yeah. to it, but in general by the relationship of rich people to these weird organizations that obviously excluded, you know, people of color. Also something funny. I'm, and I'm sure, I don't know if you've, oh, have you like never uh, like ever noticed that, but there is also this connection between like, you see someone and they like, like, uh, usually they uh, live in Brooklyn and uh, they get like fame really quick doing comedy and all of that. And you're like, oh, wow, I guess they're very good. And then you learn that like their parents are like millionaires or something. <laughs> yeah, that happens to me. You guys, that happens really often. It's really, really often. Truly the ultimate betrayal. Yeah, when you yeah. go to someone's wiki page and then in the parents section, the parents are both in blue. They have clickable links. And I'm like, wow, I thought you were one of us. (laughs) I thought you were slumming it. Yeah. Like if we're not starving artists together, like, fuck you. Like, (laughs) you could have been taking me out to dinner this whole time. And we were just pretending and eating ramen together. Exactly. Exactly. I want oysters. (laughs) Exactly. And it's so funny because I always had these people in my life and you never know what they do for work. Yeah. Because <laughs> they have these nice apartments. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know what you do for work. I feel like I've asked multiple times and you said something like freelance or whatever. And then you're like, oh, okay. Okay. I see now. I'm independently wealthy exactly. and will be forever to no account of my own. I just <laughs> exactly. Will. But at least I'll say that she did have a, uh, you know, had a really good apology. Uh, and she posted that on Instagram. And I mean, it's it's kind of long, so I'm not going to read all of it, but. You know, she talked about like being 19 years old. She talked about the organization and she said that, you know, it was unquestionably like racist, sexist and has an elitist past and that she was not aware of the history at a time. But ignorance is no excuse. You know, I was old enough to educate myself uh, before getting involved. And then she said, I, I unequivocally deplore, denounce and reject white supremacy 
at the same time, I acknowledge my privilege. And then she talked about like, you know, how the comments on the internet made her feel like, you know, you know, you become like the subject of like internet criticism. And the first thing you think about, like, these people are wrong. They don't get it. But then she was like, at some point, I realized that a lot of the forces behind the criticism are forces that I've spent my life supporting and agreeing with. So, it, you know, it makes sense. And it was, I mean, I liked it. It was good. She covered everything. She was not defensive. Uh, she was not like, I did not know. Please leave me alone. Cancel culture. Everyone is coming after me. People are mean. I had no idea. I was too young. Yeah, it was just like acknowledging all the different sides of it, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also good to, you know, uh, tell people to, you know, educate themselves and, and all of that. So it's, I, I don't know. I liked it because especially that there are so many bad apologies this year. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, I felt like once you took the time to look into this organization, it was clear that this is something, it was like a country club to these people in St. Louis. Like if you were rich, you were part of this society and that's just the way it is. And she is under the thumb of her rich parents probably doesn't want to lose her inheritance. They're like, get in this pageant. You know, you just, when you're a kid, you do the things that people, your parents make you do, especially if they're the ones paying your bill, sending you to Princeton, buying you apartments so that you can go, you know, be an actress. Like, yeah, you're going to join the pageant. Exactly. And it's just one of those things also, like, this is someone like we've watched on TV. We've seen her in interviews. We feel like, you know, we know her. She's not a KKK person. <laughs> exactly (laughs) i wonder if that white dress at the ball also came with a hood with holes in it exactly like like, probably not it's too much there's so many other celebrities that have never been a part of the uh veiled prophet uh ball that i would be quicker to call kkk person (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i don't even know but i just would exactly no it, it, it was you know anyway it was it was too much i uh i've, I've read so many of the tweets and it's just like i mean fucking chill like yeah yeah let's let's talk about like how bad the organization is let's like you know like let's it, it just feels like one of these things where you can like everyone like can, can learn together and also like i said at the at the beginning like being in an organization with a racist past literally i mean like like you said kiki you know Sometimes oh, you mean every organization on earth? <laughs> I live in America. I live in an organization with a racist past. Like, I'm just saying I'm American feels racist. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Most of the colleges that people go to have like a racist. Like no one is saying this excuses any. But like as long as you're not participating in that, you're not actively making it worse then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, yeah. 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 Our economy was built off slavery. And when we just acknowledge that, like that's what we need to acknowledge. And that's what we're trying to get people to acknowledge. And this is why reparations is like, reparations is a thing because you are still making money off of the economy that existed for so long that you can't even detach it. Your economies today exist because of those, yet you won't acknowledge it. So that's what it is. Yeah. Again, pointing to the whole thing of like pointing at another person without taking responsibility or accountability for your own piece in it. Exactly. Yeah. It don't make no sense. And Ellie is a, it, she just happens to be a famous person. Yeah. And, and it happens to catch on that she was a part of something. And it's just also almost like luck based or like random that certain people get called out and other people do not get called out. 
But I'm glad she'd responded that way. I thought it was a good apology, too. Okay, and now it's uh, time for my favorite segment, which we do every week. Sorry, not sorry, where we either demand apologies from people or apologize to someone. So we'll we'll see what we have this week. Oh, how what's up? What's happening? Let's see. Well, I would like to apologize to the core of my body. I have heard a lot of things about the core of people's bodies. And my core has gone without a lot of attention for a while. When I walk I, and I go upstairs, I use my legs. I use my knees. I use everything but what people tell me to use, which is my core. And I just realized that <laughs> I'm just going around um, becoming sort of like weak. And so um, I've been doing I've been doing just some different interesting exercises and lunges and different things. And I have now been engaging my core. Yeah. And I do I do want to let everyone know that I don't like it. But it kind of feels good and it makes me slightly happy afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I'm really relying on that. I'm relying on um, I'm engaging my core to feel slightly happy afterwards. Are you doing and I hope planks? That's enough. I'm doing I OK. I do planks and I last maybe 10, 12 seconds. Not a very long that's time. Fine. And I give up quite a bit. You know, I just go, oh, fuck it. But then I, you know, start up again. Yeah. But um. I just, who is she? The core. She's been famous to me for so long, but I've never met her. Really. Heard a lot. Yes. So, you know, for people out there who don't know her, try it out. I don't know. You might hate it. You might like it. Yeah. She's like undercover uh, in your 20s. It's after 30 where all of a sudden it's like, oh, Miss Core, I've been ignoring you. <laughs> who is she? I'm sorry. A stranger coming Should have paid world. more attention to you because my back is killing me. <laughs> Correct. And for someone with a, a, you know, like me for having a honk and boobs, everybody, just in case you can't see them through the <laughs> podcast. Um, she needs a strong, thick stem to hold all that up. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, I just want to apologize to her for not thinking about her and not being a good friend for a second. But, you know, I hope that we can, uh, you know, just start a b- beautiful friendship. Wow. That's <laughs> truly tears in my eyes. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Love to hear about friendship. <sighs> well, Kiki, have you discovered any uh, parts of your body this week? I've discovered a lot of parts of my body, and they all hate me. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty par for the course. Um, but, you know, I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. And it sort of kind of goes along with my apology. I would like to apologize to... Not only the girl in the wheelchair that was in the bathroom that I went into, but to anyone who might be in a wheelchair in a bathroom that I entered to, because I'm going to say it, look, I'm fat and I always use the handicap accessible stalls. I just do. And it just has more room. And I am sorry for that. (laughs) And I've never gotten caught in all of these years. I have never gotten caught. And I went into a bathroom and, you know, drinking. I was doing my thing, you know, headed straight towards the handicap accessible stall as I do. And I reached for that door and there was a girl 
in a wheelchair in the, in the, the mirror. You know, she had just left the stall. She was getting ready. And I reached for that door. And I just, I like did that thing. I, I kind of like, you know, how when you trip and you like start to run because you pretend like I didn't trip. I was just running. I kind of just <laughs> grabbed the door like, wait, that door is in my way. Let me close it and go to this other stall that I was going to go to originally, obviously not that handicapped accessible stall and then i used the regular stall and um i think she suffered she, through it she she waited she waited because <laughs> i was she like, wanted to make sure i make sure that i wasn't going to switch because i was going to switch let's be real i was absolutely <laughs> going to leave that stall and get to the bigger stall um but she waited and then when i you know flushed and came out then she left um and i was like wow i was busted um but look i'm sorry because it's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep yeah. using that bigger stall in the future. And I, I am apologizing for it because I know I'm going to do it. <laughs> but you transcend gonna... <laughs> it as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like there's a Venn diagram of people who use like those stalls and to people who only put their carts back in those little aisles when there are other people actively watching you. That is an absolute overlap. I always put my cart back. I will say that. I always <laughs> put my good, cart good, back, good, good. even when nobody's watching. Oh, I also want to let you know that I absolutely use um, the roomy. I call them luxury bathrooms. They're <laughs> yes. like designer bathrooms. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes they come with their own sink. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's outrageous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I never did that. I'm a better person. Uh, but Thank you. I mean, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> someone has to be good, uh, like a good person on this podcast. And it's me. Right. Uh, but, you know, I've been, you know, I've been traveling a lot for comedy since, you know, the uh, pandemic now uh, allows us to travel. And, you know, that means, you know, spending so much time at the airports. And um, I had a very early flight. And I was going through the TSA. And you know, like when you get to the TSA, they ask for, you know, your ID and your your ticket and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I did not pay attention. So instead of handing my my ID, I gave the agent my credit card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Trying to buy them off. <laughs> exactly. I, I look like I do the worst bribes ever. Like, uh, like I look charge like... It. Yeah, I look like I'm new to the cartel or something. Just like, you know... But the thing is, you know, he held it there and was like, you know, confused. And I said, after realizing it's my credit card, I was like, hey, won't you give it like a little swipe and just let me keep my laptop in my bag? And uh, he did not like that. He was not. He did not like that. He was upset. And uh, so my apology is to this man for having no sense of humor. I hope you recover, sir. I will say... Airports, flights, TSA, they do not like a sense of humor. They don't love it. They don't like anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I am I feel sorry for that man. Like that, he's just going around, just humorless, just uh, stopping people. I also love that they ask you to, like, lower your mask just to see, like, your face and match it to your yeah. ID. And it's just like, I feel like the upper half of my face really... Uh, if it matches, you know, <laughs> it screams Mahanid. Like I don't know what he, what they think is gonna happen. Like, am I gonna take the mask off and it's just like a whole different person? But it's like it just goes against everything. It's like you want me to take my mask off to show my face, but God forbid I try to have a cocktail on the flight. If I'm not putting that mask up between every sip, I'm getting 
on you know put on the blacklist i gotta admit uh i i do the thing where like i or like i ask for a coffee like during the flight and then it does not matter how long the flight is four hours six hours <laughs> i'll drink the coffee for six hours yeah i'll just hold it like this i'm like i'm drinking sorry like i <laughs> uh but yeah uh, I mean, I'm pro mask, but you know, if there are loopholes, I'll fucking use them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry is a Lemonada Media original. The show is produced by Alex McCohen. Supervising producer is Chrissy Pease. Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles Wax and Jessica Cordova Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor, and theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm sorry underscore podcast. We'll be back next week. And until then, be nice, play fair and always say I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Feminist Erin Gibson. And I'm homosexual Brian Safi. And we're the co-hosts of the Attitudes podcast. Where we talk about LGBT plus issues, gender issues, and pop culture. Probably with much less respect than they deserve. Look, it's a wild world, and we want to help you laugh at it. Plus, we discuss everything going on in our lives. Like, what do you do when your husband accidentally starts a fire in a dumpster? And the best armpit slapping techniques to get rid of the bags under your eyes. Thanks for the advice, Mom. And of course, how to spin a wig around to achieve a brand new look. Ah, stunning. So if you're a fan of high heel shoe chairs or have a crippling fear of hot air balloons, but also believe in social justice, then this show's for you. Listen to Attitudes anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us on Archetypes, a dynamic podcast hosted by Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, as she digs into the labels that try to hold women back. In each intimate and candid conversation, Megan is joined by guests like Serena Williams, Mariah Carey, Paris Hilton, Issa Rae, and Trevor Noah as they delve into the roots of countless common descriptors of women like diva, crazy, dumb blonde, and the B word, and redefine and reclaim each identity along the way. The complete season of Archetypes is out now wherever you get your podcasts.